picture tells a story. It's often been said that a picture can say a thousand words. And if we look close enough, we'll see God in it. And that picture will tell us more than we could have hoped for or imagined. It's a beautiful tapestry of the way he works in our lives with kindness, goodness, faithfulness, redemption, and ultimately his love for us. Grab your coffee, or in my case, sweet tea, and let's walk through this journey together. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Word Pictures with Meredith podcast. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to spend it with me. Gosh, I'm so excited about the guests that we have today. We have had some hiccups along the way and just coordinating and life just kind of falls apart sometimes, but we are believing that God has something in store for us today. So Rebecca, thank you for being on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Meredith. I'm really, really happy to be here finally. Yeah, I know. Um, gosh, I met you about a year ago, Mm -hmm. um, at an event that was at our friend Nicole's house. Mm -hmm. And I just have had the opportunity to get you to get to know you more throughout the year. And we'll dive into what that looked like, um, a little bit further, but in the meantime, uh, everyone listening would love to get to know you a little bit more. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Rebecca? Sure. So surface biography would be, um, I'm a wife of 20 years and congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) I have three children, um, Grant, Evelyn, and Avery ranging from adulthood to almost middle school. Mm. And, um, I grew up in Northwest Indiana, but I was born to a legacy Chicago family. So all the way back to my my great-grandfather was one of the stonemasons that um, built the statues on the Field Museum oh, for, the wow. world, uh, for the World's Fair. So, yeah, so Chicago and through and through, Southsiders, I guess. Yeah. And, yeah, I met my husband at a summer camp in Michigan that I grew up attending, and he is from this area, which is how I reside here now. So, okay. Yeah. So that's the like the surface story, um, you know. And uh, I'm a photographer by trade. I've been a photographer for, gosh, I always I always have to count on my fingers. I know. <laughs> it just goes fast. That's why. <laughs> but I think it's been 16 years. Okay. So 16 years. Uh, yeah. And it's been a blessed 16 years that I've gotten to the opportunity to intersect with strangers that have become friends that have become just uh people deeply rooted in my life Mm. and um and it's just been a blessing I didn't pursue photography um in college I did always have it as a course uh Mm. first in high school Mm -hmm. um and it was chemical and film development then yeah I remember Uh, and (laughs) yeah Go in the dark room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the dark room. And then and then through college, too. Um, it was always an elective that I had. But it was a five-year degree at the college I attended, so mm-hmm. it wasn't what I was pursuing. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, I have an associate's degree in 
communications and expressive arts, which people sometimes ask, what is that? And it's like song and dance, basically. Yeah, yeah. Which I think those things are, they really do feed into what I do. Oh, yeah. I could see that hand in hand. Yeah. So, yeah, coaching um, what I call flow posing and like movement and my theater background coming into play, just trying to draw out you know, laughter and smiles and energy from people, um, um, on my side of the camera. And yeah, so that is what I do. And by, you know, if you just put it into words, that's who I am. (laughs) Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's how I would paint it on the back of a book or something. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. 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 Well, and all of those things that you studied obviously play a huge role into the success of your photography business because, everyone wants to see themselves in this beautiful light and you're able to do that by bringing out the right posture and relaxing Mm -hmm. them and all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of neat. That's kind of neat how that worked. Yeah. It didn't actually, you know, before the podcast, we were talking about how we love seeing things fall into place Mm -hmm. that God has clearly ordained and orchestrated and how it could be of no plan of our own, the way that it fell together. And my, Um, my, when I entered into college, like most kids, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I was the lead in all my high school musicals and things like that. And so I just naturally thought, okay, I'm, I'll sing. So Mm -hmm, um, my mm -hmm. declared degree and I had a small scholarship was in music theater, my first semester of college. And then I quickly realized that I was a little fish in a big pond. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, how am I going to make a living? Like there's so many talented people in this world. So I changed it to English and I thought I love to read. So (laughs) make life decisions. I love to read. So, (laughs) um, so English was my major and I thought I could be, I could go into education or I could be an editor or I could write any of these things. And so Um, So that was actually my major when I left college, and I'll go into that why I left college um, Mm -hmm. in a bit, but um, when I tried to round out what had been a bachelor's degree into what I was closest to many, many years later, I contacted my college registrar and they said, well, you're two courses away from a communications degree. And I said, oh, okay, let's do it. So yeah. <laughs> that, so that is, that's really why I have it. It wasn't anything that I sought out, but when my clientele asks me, you know, did you study photography? Do you have a degree in mm-hmm, it? Mm-hmm. And then I say, no, it's actually in this and this, they still assume that that was intentional, but it absolutely wasn't. But I do, I do agree with you. I think looking back and those dance classes and those voice lessons and that theater and then also Mm -hmm. literature, all of that really does play a part in what I do today. So I'm a storyteller. So yeah, yeah. it's great. Yeah. That's, it's incredible. I just love the way that God just brings everything together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Speaking of God, uh, one thing that I noticed about you from that very first time that we met was that you have a deep rooted faith. And you are a gatherer, um, mm-hmm. and you have a heart to bring other women close to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to know a little bit more about your journey with Jesus. What does that look like for you? Yeah. You know, when people ask you to share your quote unquote testimony, I know it's very, <laughs> it's hard to just kind of <laughs> nutshell. Yeah. It, it, and, and, 
it's interesting for people like me who consider themselves like lifetime followers of Jesus mm-hmm. that there's no before and after um, story, which I think can be advantages and, and, and great in life, but also very disadvantages in the fact that when you're sharing your testimony, most people have an impactful moment that is a before and after, you know, mm-hmm. but I heard actually recently, um, you know, that people who were raised in Christian homes and grew up being a Christian or, and identifying that way their whole lives shouldn't discredit that because we drink from a well we didn't dig. Yeah. And that is such yeah. a legacy. Yeah. So I guess when I can sum it up, I'll, I'll tell you m- the first moment that I met Jesus, but mm-hmm. my, I know that my mother's parents met at a Moody Bible Institute rally mm-hmm. in the 1940s or 50s. And um, they they also were raised as believers. So th- I don't even know historically yeah. how far that legacy goes back. And my dad's parents were believers. I think um, and then my parents were believers and I was sent to private Christian school yeah. as a youth and we grew up going to church on Sundays. Yeah. And so the first moment that I had, we all have a choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I have a terrible memory, which being a photographer really, really helps with that because I can remember other people's stories because I get to revisit them and store them mm-hmm. over and over again in the editing process. Mm-hmm. But as far as my own story goes, I, I struggle very much with remembering anything before the age of 16. Okay. Yeah. It's bad. Wow, <laughs> I have a yeah. bad memory. Um, unless it was trauma, <laughs> you can remember that pretty, pretty yeah. well and clearly, but, yeah. um, but I remember, uh, a memory from when I was four or five years old and I was standing in line, um, in church, getting ready to go into Sunday school class. And my Sunday school teacher, um, it was a a woman, she had told us the story of Jesus and how Mm. he was the son of God and that he came to save the world. And um, I remember her asking after she was telling, and I was listening very intently, if you do, you want Jesus in your heart, you know, very to all these little children. And and she said, if you do raise your hand and I'll say a prayer with you. Mm -hmm. And I raised my hand and she said a prayer with me. Mm -hmm. And that is my earliest memory. And I remember thinking, I'm good. (laughs) You know, that, not that those weren't my exact words as a four year old, but I I remember thinking, okay, like it was a checkbox moment that, you know, when you first, when you're a child and you ask Jesus into your heart, I would think a lot of Christians could probably associate that with a fear mentality of not wanting to not go to a wonderful place or right. be with the people you love or right. know Jesus. And so it comes from a place of maybe fear. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward to my middle school years, and I remember questioning this, the um, eternity of my I, of my salvation, like eternal security is the, Mm -hmm. the phrase that is used in the church. And, um, it's a big debate in the church of whether or not once saved, always saved. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I found myself as I was entering into those early teen years, questioning if I even knew what I was doing when I was four. And if I really, really 
knew what salvation was. And mm-hmm. I, and I did, and I, and I know now that that was the enemy making me question, but right, right. I began like pursuing, um, Jesus at that age and, um, through youth group and church camp and church, just really developing a love for, for Jesus and for my faith. And then he made me not just thirsty, but like eager to share. Mm. So in my teen years and in high school, I, I was very liked. I went to a pretty big um, Chicago suburban high school. My graduating class was 401. And I, uh, um, key points in my life I remember standing out is that I was fun and I was very inclusive and, mm-hmm. and I was known as being nice to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also was known behind my back as the religious girl. Mm-hmm. Um, Bible thumper wasn't a term that I think ever was used to describe me to my face, but I'm sure that was one that was meant to have a negative context mm-hmm. described over me. And then the thing with that is when in my teen years, things got hard and I made some poor choices that my friends or the people watching me were aware of. Mm-hmm. It had quite a negative impact on how people perceived me because I think that I didn't live up to their expectations of mm-hmm. what I supposedly professed over my life. And mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. but the thing about believers is, we're going to stumble just as much, if not more than others, you know, who don't have Jesus in their life and, and people are watching you. So, so yeah, so my, my encounters with God began at a very young age and I was poured into by a lot of different people in my life. Mm -hmm. And, and I feel he is the most familiar with me when I have moments with God there have been times and seasons and, and songs like at church and during worship where I have, you could probably relate to this, Meredith, oh, like yeah. slideshows of my life yeah. run through my head, mm-hmm. set to music, of mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. And it just overwhelms me because I mm-hmm. see him in it, like from beginning to end, especially in the hard and in the, what I refer to as the suck. Yeah. And like, and, yeah. and then in the beautiful moments that, he showed up in spite of me mm-hmm. um, because I invited him in and he rescued me. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So it's not a before and after like crazy. I was this and then I became this like others. But I got to drink from a well I didn't dig. And I hope that my children and my grandchildren and my great great grandchildren get to drink from the same well. Yeah. Well, honestly, I think that is, it's such a beautiful story to think about the legacy that Mm -hmm. your grandparents prayed for you, Mm -hmm. even before they probably knew you. And the fact that you can be able to pass that down and you can just see God's hand through all of it. I think it's beautiful. It really is. So, yeah. Very grateful. Yeah. So um, you talked a little bit about meeting your husband at the at a camp. Do you want to talk maybe a little bit more about, you know, uh, about that? Sure. <laughs> Shout out to Spring Hill Camps. Hey, hey. <laughs> so at the time, um, there was only one campus, but there are two main campuses of this camp nowadays. And there are many, many, many traveling day camps all over the nation. So mm-hmm. um this camp was founded in, I believe, 1968, 69. And um, 
I began attending in the early 90s. My mm-hmm. first year, I was 10 years old, and oh. I had um, four nights, five days at this camp away from my family mm-hmm. um, in northern Michigan, and okay. um, I grew up, and I loved it. Like, something about Christian summer camp, it feels like heaven on earth. Like, when I yeah. imagine heaven, I imagine summer camp. <laughs> <laughs> And I think it's because it's a bubble. Truly, it is. You're with Mm -hmm. like-minded believers. Mm -hmm. You feel safe. You're not inundated with the world's message. In fact, you're inundated with the opposite, with a a heavenly message and people who love the Lord. And you're Mm -hmm. singing and getting messy Mm -hmm. and playing games and having fun. It's very joy-filled and spirit-filled. And there's no distractions. Like, the world is not distracting you with all of its things. Exactly. (laughs) No you can just focus. Yep. No shows, none of it. You can you can be hyper focused, and there's something to be said for that. Which you've been a recipient of me trying to pursue something like that in mm-hmm. in my adult life, but mm-hmm. um, shutting out the distractions of the world and just yeah. being able to sit with Jesus. So, um, yeah. So summer camp was a part of my life. It was what I looked forward to all year long. And even when I was 12, I and it was an expensive camp, it still is, but um, I remember begging my mom to let me go to two. Oh. Bless their hearts. <laughs> like, uh, So I got to go to camp twice that summer for a couple of weeks. And um, when I was, the summer I was 15 turning 16, I'm a June baby. I, me too. Are you? What's your birthday? 15th. Mine's the 11th. <gasps> Yay! <laughs> we'll have to do something. I knew I liked you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same week. Um, so, um, so I turned 16 and I was what they call a stamper. So um, the teen program at Spring Hill is called TST, Teen Service Team. And you're half staff half camper so you pay but it's much it's a it's a discounted rate and um you serve and then you also get the benefits of what the campers get is like you get to still zip line and canoe and do the high ropes course and come together at campfires at night and so you still have a camper experience but you're serving the younger youth um which I think is really great because you're learning leadership skills within that exactly in fact they give you um Nowadays, they didn't then as far as I know, but like my kids have gone and they get volunteer hours, Mm -hmm. service hours Mm -hmm. um, for their college applications and any other programs that they're applying to be a part of like National Honor Society. So it's a really, really great situation. It's a win-win in that aspect. But my husband is four years older than I and five years ahead of me in school or was. And so that summer that I met him... I was going into my sophomore year of high school and he was going into his junior year of college at Wheaton College. Okay. So I was not on his radar as yeah. as yeah. like a potential love interest. In fact, he had someone in his life at that point anyway, someone very serious. And so, um, but he was so handsome <laughs> or as we would say, you know, he was hot. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it was hot. And all of the teen girls crushed on him. We called him hot Nate. And oh, it was, so funny. yeah, it was an ongoing joke. And so, like I said earlier, he grew up in central, East central Illinois. And I grew up in Northwest Indiana and we're meeting in Northern Michigan. And I met 
this is how big my high school was. Um, one of the girls that I met at camp that summer actually attended my high school and I didn't know her. Oh, wow. And okay. she was going to be a senior. And it was an ongoing joke after summer camp that year. We'd pass each other in the hall and I'd say to her, I'm going to marry hot Nate. And she would say, I'm going to marry hot Nate. <laughs> and it was an ongoing thing for the rest of her senior year. Well, uh, lo and unbeknownst to me, I would never see him again, you know, yeah, um, yeah. but um, fast forward, God, God has a sense of humor. And yeah. um, five years later, I began dating hot Nate um, oh. through a series of amazing circumstances, which is a story in itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we had our first um, interaction in lunch, which was supposed to just be a lunch for friends um, mm-hmm. in Chicago during my um, sophomore year of college. And he had already been a teacher for two years. And he he essentially in, um, stole my heart and mm-hmm. I dropped everything, including my then boy, boyfriend, <laughs> um, and um, fell in love. And I married Nate five months after that that lunch. Um, yes. So I was still in college and I finished my sophomore year and Nate and I were pregnant out of the gate. And then I knew I wanted to be a mother. So I stopped going to school at that point. So fast forward, you know, many years when my, my oldest, my two oldest were little kids, I rounded out that that degree. So yeah, yeah, I'm going back and forth, back and forth. No, it's okay. Yeah. So I did have, when Facebook became a thing, I did have a messenger little bubble pop up with that friend, that girlfriend from high school. (gasps) And it's been many years at this point. And, um, I say to her, Hey, I married hot Nate. And she just laughs and she's like, no, I'm still going to marry hot Nate. And I go, no, no, really go look at my pictures. (laughs) She was just mind blown. She said, how did you lock that down? <laughs> and I said, I guess it was just meant to be. <laughs> oh, that is yeah, it's a hysterical. Funny, funny story. I didn't ever get it, but other friends from camp that summer reached out to me years later through social media and said, did you ever get that calendar? I said, what calendar? And they had made a calendar of random camp pictures of my husband and mailed it off to the girls. <laughs> I still don't have it, but I would love to have a copy of that. You know, after being married to him for 20 years, he would just be, oh. yeah, it would be, have be a good laugh. But yeah, he was that cute. That is so funny. And I bet you he loves to use the whole hot Nate thing on he's you pretty, as often as no, possible. No, no, he's, he's pretty <laughs> humble. And, uh, you know, it's, it is funny because... He knew it. He knew it then, but none of us were on his radar. And in fact, the fact when I, people ask how I met my husband and I say, he was my camp counselor. He always like rolls his eyes and he's like, you need to elaborate on this story because it sounds so (laughs) sketchy. Um, So yeah, so Uh. it wasn't until um, a series of events happened that our paths intersect again, but the Lord knew and he put him in my life and brought me here to East Central Illinois and we've raised our family here. So yeah. yeah. So you've lived in Central Illinois for your whole Marriage? No. Or, okay. So we lived in the Chicago suburbs for okay. our first five years. Okay. And then he's a he's an athletic director, but he's a head football coach, and oh, we followed okay. his coaching career. I see. Yeah. yeah. And so since his family was rooted here, 
it was ultimately, as our kids got older, we wanted to be close to family, which is kind of funny because none of them live here now. But um, <laughs> so we moved here when a job opportunity at Champion Central opened up and he became the head football coach there. Okay. Um, okay. And yeah. So we've lived in Champaign since 2013. Okay. So just nine years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's neat. So he's at Champaign Central. No. <laughs> not, not anymore. Not, not anymore. Okay. Well, Coaching career. Just kind of goes from different. He, yes, yeah, he yeah, yeah, is yeah. the athletic director and head football coach at Hayworth High School in the okay. Bloomington area. Okay. But we, okay. when our kids were in, our two older ones were in high school, I just kind of said, we are staying here and letting them finish because we floated around quite a bit um, yeah. in their youth. And yeah. and now, you know, we're older and a little bit wiser and it's taken a whole season. But our youngest is 10 and she's a fifth grader. And even though our middle is graduating this year, um, we considered and bought land to move out by his job again and mm-hmm. uproot everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but... We've recently made the decision, this is home, and we're going to let our youngest grow up with the kids that she's grown up with. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Grant and Evelyn. That was not <laughs> something that they, they got to benefit from, but we see a richness in that. Yeah. So we are staying put for the sake of our youngest child, and yeah. I love it because I have a community here, too. Yes. Yeah. 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 Definitely, you have built... A community, like I said, you're a gatherer, and I just see the people just gathering around you. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of that, um, back in early November, I had the pleasure of attending your very first women's worship retreat, and I tell you, it was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, it could almost bring me to tears just thinking about it. No worries, um, I'm a crier. Yeah, <laughs> so I've got Kleenex. <laughs> um, but I would just love to know um, how that began. What did God stir in your heart to really just have that leap of faith to launch out and just say, hey, women, I want to gather you together. We're going to worship the Lord and we're going to point everything to him. Like there had to be some kind of stirring in you to even take that step. So I'd love to know a little bit more about it. Mm, that is good because you used some very impactful keywords Mm. in your question that I've written out over my life lately. So he's here. I can feel it. Yeah, Um, me too. Me too. (laughs) So obviously I, I know this goes way further than this past year. Um, I felt I'm getting older and I am, by trade, a wedding photographer. And so that's very um, strenuous on the body. Mm-hmm. So for the last five to six years, I have been questioning how long I can do, you know, eight to, to 12 hour wedding days and, and the, all the travel and the heaviness yeah. of it all. And yeah. And navigating what is my nest egg plan, what is next for me. Mm-hmm. So that was, that's been happening for five to six years, trying to figure out what direction I'm gonna go. And then I also recognized that I had a desire to like pour into people. And historically, that's been in business, in the creative entrepreneurial world. And and I do that joyfully. I've taken the Enneagram test and I'm a two, which is the helper. Yeah, that would be me. <laughs> that would and be it me. literally 
like mm-hmm. fuels me to help people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And many who aren't twos, they would say you need to monetize that. So, you know, I've been trying to wrap my brain around being a two and also being an entrepreneur. And so my nest egg plan that I've been toying with for a while has been to slowly graduate in my field into the the season of education with sessions still but mm-hmm. not so much mm-hmm. events as much um yeah and so um so that's just been on my mind and I've just been waiting for the window of time to open up to start developing that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then um last year um, a week ago last year, Mm. um, I, I was caught off guard and I had known for about six, no, six to eight weeks that I was expecting a fourth child, Mm. (laughs) which was for, to be transparent, I was not thrilled about this. I, I would be a mother, I would be giving birth at 21, 24, 31, and 41. (laughs) And I thought, you know, having babies once every decade is not good planning. Mm. (laughs) But so so selfishness kind of kicked in in the beginning. But the Lord took that and and replaced it with joy and anticipation rather quickly. Because I recognized that this was a gift. And so, um, but... It wasn't meant to be, and I think my spirit was cautious, too, because I knew my husband and my age, and I knew probability wasn't in my favor, but as I was approaching the end of my first trimester, I was finally to a point where I'm like, I don't think I need to be cautious anymore, so I made my first doctor's appointment, and that very day was the beginning of... uh, oddly, uh, my miscarriage. And so, um, Mm. I did, uh, deliver our baby at home and it just, it brought me into a season of grief and stillness. Mm. And I told you I would cry (laughs) in my stillness. I just, it could have been postpartum depression, certainly partially that. Um, but I got to hear the voice of the Lord a lot more clearly because my voice wasn't there. Mm. I'm a talker, <laughs> even with God. Like, I like to hear the sound of my own voice, my <laughs> words. Like, even in my head, I'm like, okay, Lord, like, help me become a listener. Like, mm. stillness is something I struggle with, yeah. <laughs> like, hugely yeah. listening struggle. So being interviewed for a podcast is right up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it brought me to stillness again. And, and grief is something I'm very familiar with. So... I know that there's a richness in grief because when we're stripped away of our comforts in the world, like when we're stripped away of what we, whether we like to admit it or not, what we feel entitled to, um, we tend to reflect and you can go two ways. You can be angry and turn your back from God, or you can accept that he is sovereign and he is good 
and he loves you and he didn't want this for you Mm -hmm. but in it he has something for you yeah you know yeah and so I was waiting to see what what was the point of that mm-hmm. because I didn't anticipate becoming pregnant. He did tell me, and it's in my journal, I shared this on social media recently, like I knew a season was coming of mm-hmm. suffering. Mm-hmm. And I even write it out like, is it going to be disease? Is it going to be um, financial is mm-hmm. what is this suffering you're preparing me for? Because there was a theme in my mornings with him, mm-hmm. in my Bible readings, in my devotionals, even in my conversations, there was a theme of suffering and how God shows up in it. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea that it was going to be what I first thought was suffering in the loss of my expectations for mm-hmm. ha- my future. Um, you know, I love to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a workaholic, but I don't want to be. Um, that is not the desire for my future. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, adding another child, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to slow down financially and I'm not going to be able to travel and had all these mm-hmm. plans. So mm-hmm. the grief that first was associated with this news, and it seems so selfish in everyone's story is different. So I know people who struggle and want children so badly, even at my phase of life, are working their tails off, doing things to their bodies to try to conceive. So I want, this could be a trigger, but I want those people to know that, you know, like, like I knew I had been given a gift, but Mm -hmm. there was still, if I'm being Mm -hmm. honest, Mm -hmm. struggle there. Yeah. Um, and so, so he brought me to stillness and and I had to pray. And then he gave me joy. And he gave me joy and hope in him and the future. My husband was pretty much happy from the mm-hmm. gate. He would have all the babies. <laughs> but, like, I, but for me, I lost um, parents young. My dad passed away when I was 18 of cardiac mm-hmm. arrest at the beginning of my senior year of high school. And my mom battled cancer on and off for 12 years. And I oh. lost her 20 years almost to the day um, later after losing my dad. And so I was 38 when I lost her. And so, um, not having parents in my thirties, like being orphaned in my thirties, um, seemed and no grandparents and only three aunts and uncles. Like it didn't seem like a future I wanted for a child I was bringing into the world because time was not on my side. Mm. So there wasn't a complete selfishness involved like I just knew that I was going to be going to his or her high school graduation in my 60s like Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm, and I mm -hmm. likely wouldn't see my grandbabies and things like Mm -hmm, that and mm -hmm. so anyway all of that to say he taught me much in that season from that stage to the point where he called my baby home Mm. and when he called my baby home and and basically quieted my spirit he spoke over me and when we were on our retreat and I'll I'll share this with the listeners because you heard me say it and it was coming from a sincere place in that moment you and I you and I are alike in that he gives us visuals yeah to describe um anything he wants to teach Mm us Mm -hmm. um and so for me um, back in November, when we were in our little cabin, he gave me a word image um, 
of my my heart and it was it had all these ribbons attached to it mm-hmm. and my heart was tethered to all the people and um, yeah. babies there's two that I um, have lost and they are not here in this world and I'm still tethered to them I'm tethered to my grandparents and my mom and my dad mm-hmm. and my children and they're in heaven mm-hmm. and so I feel pulled yeah like toward them yeah and so being pulled towards heaven gives you more of a heavenly perspective. And it's a gift, even yeah. though it's taken something really hard, like suffering, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to get you closer to heaven. And um, so I, I do feel more pulled towards heaven. In that season of stillness, I cared very little for my business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In fact, if you look at my Instagram account as a photographer, it's essential to keep your content consistent. I mean, yeah. not just a photographer, everybody now, yeah. um, but c- consistent and regular and beautiful and polished and curated and pretty mm-hmm. and funny and entertaining. All the pressures are there. And I, I did that. Mm-hmm. I did that for 15 years and then it gets just quiet mm-hmm. and there would have, there are months in between posts in this last year, still to this day, there are yeah. months between posts and yeah. now my posts are all about me and my God and mm-hmm. which seems a little strange um, because it's a photography account, but I have these followers who really haven't left me and they're, they're still there and Mm -hmm. they're receiving. So Mm -hmm. as long as they're there and I am posting whatever I want to now, not what I feel like I have to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's where I'm at. And so I'm still there. I'm still in that season of like, honestly, like I care about my clientele. I care about serving people well. So I'm not saying that, but I care very little for, this hustle mentality yeah, yeah. like the have to the yes, should yes. the the rat race I yes, guess yes yes mm-hmm. or even the accolades and the success mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like I don't measure success in the same way that I used to my yeah. success is pointing people to Jesus like Absolutely. that is my win yeah so after a few weeks, my husband asked me what was next for me. And um, I had already been pre-navigating and mapping out, uh, slowly stepping out of events. Um, I still shoot weddings, um, but I have a team that also shoots weddings mm-hmm. with me. So my clientele has both options. And because my pricing is very different between myself and my team, it's naturally opening my calendar up mm-hmm. on the weekends. And and there's been a big misconception that I'm leaving photography and I'll be a photographer until I can't yeah. physically be a photographer. Like yeah. it is a ministry for me. It's, it brings me joy. My love language is words of affirmation and it serves mm-hmm. that so mm-hmm. well. It fills me up. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I'm not going to not be a photographer. I will continue serving people and, sh- and photographing their memories and their families, but I I have opened the doors to the other facets of what I feel God has gifted me to do. And I love travel. Yeah. I love women. Like I love friendship. I I thirst for friendship. It mm. is so rich in my life. And not having family on either side, even in this state, mm-hmm. I find that my friends 
are much like my family. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, like my emergency contacts can't be my siblings or even my Mm in-laws. You know, they live in Georgia, Florida, and Indiana. And so I have to rely on trusted friends Mm -hmm. to be that. Mm -hmm. Um, So friendship, travel, Jesus. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I thought, okay, Lord, what what can I do with that? You've placed Mm -hmm. in my heart a hunger and a thirst for you. Mm -hmm. And I feel alive when I see different parts of the country or even the world. Mm -hmm. And I love, I love, you know, all of these things pouring into women. So what does that look like? And so retreats was just like the natural solution to that dilemma for me. And it's not, it by no means can replace, it's not really a career move at all. Um, because financially, I'm not looking to ministries like very, very touchy um, mm-hmm. when it comes mm-hmm. to monetary gain. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I'm not looking to like make a living off of sharing Jesus. Right. Uh, I'm just looking to, you know, the logistics of planning retreats. It does yes. require time and oh, planning. Yeah. So like that I, th- I feel safe being compensated for, but mm-hmm. the rest of it, mm-hmm. I don't. And mm-hmm. so I've been very prayerful over what, what to charge, what numbers, where to go. Um, mm-hmm. and then letting, like being patient with who he would lead there. Yes. And yeah. so the, the retreat that you attended Meredith was my very first one yeah. and it sold out in the first day, like first 24, maybe 48 hours. I don't remember exactly, mm-hmm. but very quickly, um, and yeah, it was so blessed and it, it was before it happened. Yeah, it was. And it yeah. continues to be after. Yeah. It was, it, it wasn't a retreat that he, he molded. He, he molded a group of sisters that love him and point each other back to him and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm friends like it's just it's so much more I texted um our group mm-hmm. <laughs> our group text on the way here and I said I just feel so blessed I'm on my way to Meredith's house right now yeah. and I'm wearing a sweatshirt that Amanda just purchased for me out of the yeah. goodness of her heart Aww. and like and and both of you are my r- retreat sisters and and I just my weeks are filled with with you girls and and I miss you when I don't hear yeah, from you I <laughs> but I don't want to be the obnoxious clingy friend <laughs> like hey I'm over here busy with life but I miss you guys you know so yeah, yeah it, it's been rich and we've seen so much happen what the Lord has done in the lives and in different levels and scales mm-hmm. but in the lives mm-hmm. of these women that attended and that is of no Yes, I was obedient in planning something. Also, you heard kind of selfish because I wanted to travel. I wanted friends. Um, but but I created an event and I did gather women, but the rest is him. It's yeah. all him. Yeah. And I love that he brought me along for the ride. Like, I just get to witness it. And then also yeah. benefit from all that you ladies pour into me. And, mm. you know, like. I have had tough moments. I I had one this week that I'm probably going to reach out and ask for prayer over, but like life is tough and we are not perfect. And walking through that in a transparent way together just makes you feel seen and loved. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and just the beauty of 
the way God has worked in all of our lives. Um, you know, just even in that text thread, someone can put a prayer request and it's an urgent prayer request and you will catch all mm-hmm. 11 women stopping what they're doing mm-hmm. and praying at that very moment mm-hmm. in time. Mm-hmm. And I just, I get chills just even sitting here talking about it because you know, yeah. without a doubt that, you know, we are beckoning. Yeah. Heaven, mm-hmm. we are just calling mm-hmm. on his name for these situations. And mm-hmm. it just feels incredible to yeah. have that group that you just know, no matter what, that they're going to be there for you. Yep. And then we have celebrations yes. of, look how God is working and look what he's done. And so we just be, you know, it's just for me personally, it's incredible to have that um, place that you can go Mm -hmm. in all seasons Mm -hmm. and genuinely yeah (laughs) here we go look and genuinely be lifted up Mm -hmm. and there's no um there there's just no feeling of like um uncertainty or doubt or anything you genuinely know these women these 11 women love each other and love the Lord. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a gift. Mm-hmm. Such a gift. It is. Yeah. It's yeah. A, it's also a glimpse of heaven. Like, yeah, just yeah. we're all different. So I think, so I got to baptize one of these women and yeah. it was yeah. amazing. The water was, was super cold on a, in a worldly so cool. perspective. It was like 45 degree We're water all back. like first thing in the morning, <laughs> jammies, bed head, yeah. and we walk out to the pier and <laughs> yep. it was so it was amazing. There and, was not a dry eye. Yes. And like after that, um, another one of them sent me, you know, this scripture and it's, um, for context, let me see if I can find it. Um, Jesus is being ascended back into um, heaven. Um, and he is telling his disciples and everyone watching, like, go forth and, you know, be disciples. And he, he says, like, baptize um, people of all nations in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, so let me see. I don't know if I can find it. Um, okay. Um, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father. Um, I think it's in Acts. I will find it. Um, no, but. Okay. Um, one of our retreat sisters sent me the reference and she said, you know what I find really interesting is you didn't just go out and disciple and you didn't just go out and baptize, but of our, the 11 women at our retreat, um, one grew up Jewish, one grew up in Egypt and is Egyptian, one grew up in Russia. I know. One is Malaysian. So like... Isn't it fascinating? That is so fascinating because it was like such a depiction of all nations, right? Like, and there were only 11 of us, but it was so, so cool. Um, And so, yeah, I just, that, that was really neat for me because it made me feel 
filled. Like, if you want purpose, there's no greater calling and no greater purpose than to point others to Jesus and the love and the restoration he brings to your life. Well, there was just no doubt for me that everyone was handpicked to be there because um, one person's life experience was able to be poured into another person Mm -hmm. in a very specific way. Mm -hmm. So that was just incredible to even think like, wow, like God knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He knows who was supposed to be at that place at that time. And it was incredible. Yeah. Like, um, I would say even you being so cautious, like Mm -hmm. wise, but cautious, Mm -hmm. were slower to share um, and waiting on the Lord for the moment that you did. And when you did, none of us had any idea what you were going to say. When you did share, there was one person who Mm -hmm. had a very similar experience, life experience Mm -hmm. as you, an obstacle that she was still to this day dealing with and you two were bonded Mm -hmm. in that moment. And so it was like, here you go again, Lord, like you were so intentional about this. And yeah, yeah, like it wasn't always comfortable. Um, Oh no, not at all. We were like, (laughs) it it was kind of miserable at times in such a good way, but miserable. It was, it was, it was like being that vulnerable and that transparent with the Holy Spirit in the midst of it all the time, like it was exhilarating and exhausting. Yeah. Like, I mean, late nights, lots of tears, you know, not sleeping, just the whole thing. But like, honestly, I can look back on that time and say, I would have paid tenfold Mm -hmm. to walk through what I did with the Lord Mm -hmm. in that time in these women. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. When you're working with, when you're working hand in hand with the Lord and you are following his lead, it is not going to be easy Mm-mm. because it's not supposed to be easy. Right. You know, I mean, you can't, chi- he can't chisel out what he's wanting to carve us into without those things. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why in our human mind we think that it should just always be like easy street. And I admit, I don't, <laughs> I don't like the hard things. Yeah. I mean, it's deep and it hurts, but looking back, all I can see is the hand of God. Yeah. It was funny because we referred to it as like group therapy a couple times, but mm-hmm. therapy rooted in the Lord. And, yeah. um, like we would get headaches from crying. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I remember thinking, I visualize this much differently. <laughs> Like I visualized la- like the cry, the tears were supposed to come from laughter, you yeah. know, like, and, and they did at times, but like, but I we did lots of laughing too. Yes, like, we, we did. There was lots of fun yes. interjected in there. Yeah. yeah but I don't yeah. want to scare people away. <laughs> you know, as the, as the facilitator and the planner, you can't help but like, you don't know what everyone walks away with as far as the actual experiences. I know that we're all so grateful for the relationships and the richness and what God has taught us, but just the basic like retreat itself, you can't, I can't help but question like, okay, like, was that really a relaxing getaway? And do 
do they re- we all happen to be from this area too mm-hmm. so then i'm like oh we could have just gotten together and done that and they wouldn't have had to invest for it but i i don't the life is so busy i think we had to i think yeah. we had to go yeah. somewhere else yep. uh uproot ourselves from our families and our schedules and mm-hmm. just place us you know in the stillness and yeah it was it was something. So I'm planning the next one right now. And, um, I, I can only hope that it goes half as amazingly Mm -hmm. as the first one did, but, um, yeah, like God is just pouring out his richness and abundance over my life. And I, you almost anticipate what, what's next in, in like on this roller coaster of life. Like I'm on this beautiful upslope and or I'm at the top enjoying the views but mm-hmm. I just pray that he prepares me for my next season of difficulty mm-hmm. and that I will be just as obedient in my season of richness mm-hmm. sometimes too we don't really share how good he is when everything is going well yeah. you know so like yeah also recognizing while things are going well right now to point people to him mm-hmm. and then you know when I have the platform of you know whatever's going poorly that I'm just as obedient to point people back to him so, yeah 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 but I also think too when you're going through those places that it's difficult and you're questioning and it's hard and then you get to see God work in that that's just as beautiful as those moments where you're like wow everything's great you know you know i mean cuz you can there's such richness in being faithful and just surrendering to him in something that you don't want or um is just too much to carry mm-hmm. yeah we can learn a lot about that um in scriptures like Paul talks over and over in the letters that he writes and in his suffering and in his less than ideal circumstances, how blessed he is, like, even Mm. in those circumstances or because of them. Yeah. Because it's like, again, when you strip everything away and it's just you and the Lord, like, Mm -hmm. you might not be able to see it in that moment, but in Mm -hmm. hindsight, like, most Christians that I know who have a story of difficulty, which is everybody. Yeah. Yeah. If they reflect, um, and they see how clear God was to them in that season, you find yourself oddly desiring another still season because ultimately the desires of this, the Holy spirit who dwells in us desires, you know, that proximity and Mm -hmm. that awareness of us to the father. And, you know, he prays for us and, and like, sometimes it requires like taking away everything. And it's weird because I anticipate it almost in a slightly positive way too, where it's like, okay, like I'm not being burned by the flames of life right now, but when I am, I hope that I get like to hear you more clearly Mm -hmm. and I get to see your face and I get to feel your touch and know you more. Like, cause it's so foggy, this side of heaven, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you're, and you can have that posture because 
of your history with Mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. So he, you have seen him walk you through these things. So you don't have to have fear of the future, what's going to happen because you know, he is there. Yeah. So there's that peace again in the surrender. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a running joke right now that I talk about death too much (laughs) and I'm so comfortable with it. And I, I am, I am. And I anticipate it for myself. I mean, I want what he wants, and obviously I don't want those that I love to suffer or miss me, but Mm -hmm. I am Mm -hmm. so excited about leaving this world and going to be with him, and um, so I have no fear of disease Mm -hmm. or of like a traumatic event in my Mm -hmm. life. The things that I do fear are those that I love suffering from these things. But as far as it comes to me and myself, Mm -hmm. I don't suffer from anxiety, which is rare. Um, You know, everyone around me does. And a lot of that stems in a lack of control Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. a fear of not like sometimes of death or disease or, or Mm -hmm. circumstances beyond Mm -hmm. their control. And, um, but like, I fully choose to surrender daily mm-hmm. my life to him and my health to him and um, my family and my finances like mm-hmm. to him. And I'm trying to surrender my schedule, which is totally <laughs> an idol, um, but to him trying yeah. to say yes to yeah. all the God moments that pop up in yeah. my, on my weekly agenda. So, yeah, yeah. I think that, that comfort that you have, um, it's that heavenly mindset mm-hmm. and it's that tethering that you talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. And when you have s- the people that you love that are in heaven, you know, that veil becomes very thin mm-hmm. and you just have that longing and you realize more and more that this is not our home. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way. Like, I don't want to not be around with my children, my husband, my grandson. Um, but like, I fully recognize that this is not our home Mm -hmm. and I'm at peace with that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And the coolest thing is Meredith that we get to like gather together forever. Like, you know, um, one of our retreat sisters was, (laughs) she does have a little anxiety and she was feeling so blessed by this group. And, um, She's been so thirsty and um, anxious, and she had a moment of, like, anxiety and fear before we actually left for the retreat Mm -hmm. um, because we had all grown so close. And she said, I'm so sad that it's almost here. (laughs) And I said, why? And she said, because I'm afraid that this daily richness, these friendships that Mm -hmm. have occurred in, like, this text group and Mm -hmm. things beforehand will be done after the retreat, and I don't want any of you to Mm -hmm. ever leave me. You can probably guess who this Mm -hmm. is. And Mm -hmm. so, and I had to reassure her, like, okay, A, that's not going to happen. But B, if it ever does in the future, because life, you know, you get to know that we are your sisters in Christ and we get to spend eternity together and we will not forget the season of our life where God showed up and introduced us to each other Mm -hmm. and blessed us to each Mm -hmm. with each other. So like you just, you just got not just lifetime friends, but eternity friends. So there is no fear in that. There is only rejoice and praise. Like, like, 
Yeah. It's so good. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, goodness. My heart. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Same every day. I'm just uh, waiting. I'm like, all right, like, this is yeah. too good. Yeah. It's too good. Gosh. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I just thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule and just coming and sharing your heart and your story and encouragement and just transparency. Like, I just know that people are going to be blessed by listening to this conversation. But, um, of course, you know, I have one question to ask you before we wrap up. Um, what do you know about God now that you did not know about him as that sweet little four-year-old Rebecca that raised her hand and said, I'd like to invite Jesus into my heart. Mm. Mm. I, I know that God is um, omnipresent, omnificent. I can't say it. I know that he is sovereign and holy, which is something I feel like our culture misses a little bit. He is to be feared and adored and mm. revered. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I've learned most about him in the most recent season of my life is that he is incredibly relational. Yeah. yeah. And he wants to converse with me like you and I are conversing now. Mm-hmm. Even though he knows all things, yeah. he wants me to tell him what I want without guilt. Mm-hmm. He wants me to ask for help. Um, I, in the funniest thing, like he taught me that <laughs> through a really interesting series of losing things. Mm-hmm. I lost a diamond from my wedding ring while I was gardening, um, years ago. And I looked and looked and looked for like days mm-hmm. and it was, that is gone. It's only like a quarter carat. So it wasn't that big, but it was precious to yeah. me. Yeah. And after a few days of looking, I just sat and I said, God, you know where this is, this very moment. Mm-hmm. And I don't. And it might be gone forever. And I'm okay with that if that's the case. It's just a thing. But if you, if it's in your will, could you just reveal it to me? Mm. And not 20 minutes later, Mm. I'm putting my youngest in the car seat and there's a pile of crumbs in her car seat and there's a little sparkle in those like cookie crumbs. And I look and and there's my diamond. Oh yeah. Won't he do it? It was 20 minutes. So of course, naturally I've lost keys. I've lost my AirPods like four (laughs) times. And now I just know, I know he's good. And my husband and I totally disagree on this, but I... He has revealed them all to me, and I ask him with faith and confidence because I know he will. Now, the keys once took a year, but I knew someday they would come back to me, Um, and they did. And then the AirPods generally, you know, within a couple hours. And Mm -hmm. so, like, he is relational, and he, Mm -hmm. if he knows, why don't we ask, you Mm -hmm. know? And so, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then I have one more example of that recently. I have a family member who was going through something very difficult and she prayed very, almost like you'd think sinfully too specifically making a demand of God and say, God, I want this person to come in here, like do this action 
and say this thing to me right now, someone she was having difficulty with. Mm. And habitually, like, this was not something that was playing out in her life. It was an expectation that she had, but she was grieving. And so when she asked the Lord so specifically for it, she said, Becca, like, maybe three minutes went by and the door opened up and they did and said exactly what I told mm. the Lord I wanted them to do and say. And it had been two years of me just waiting for that to happen. And it was in that moment I told him specifically the desire of my heart. And he said mm. yes. And it happened. Wow. Yeah. So wow. for yeah. me, that's yeah. what I've learned. He is relational. Yeah. Yeah. He wants us to talk to him. And he he talks back in his way. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. So I know that there are people that want to know more about this retreat and you have the next retreat coming up. Um, what are the dates again and location and how can they get in touch with you if they're interested? Yes. So the next retreat is in Savannah, Georgia on January 22nd through the 25th. Mm -hmm. um, there are seven of us already going and we are all flying down um and traveling together if you're local to this area you can definitely carpool and park with us and get on the same planes if you need to mm -hmm. um and it's going to be warmer yeah yeah <laughs> i have three to four spots available the number 11 has been the number um mm -hmm. for a while so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um you know we, I'm trying to wait. He gave me a dream when I first launched this one of 11 mm. and I was super full of faith that it would hit that number at that point. Now in this season, like, Oh, like six weeks out, I'm starting to become more worldly in doubt. Um, but then I also had a friend, Tessa, who is a guest on this. She's declared a full, uh, full retreat over yeah. it, but yeah. I don't necessarily want it to fill for financial reasons or anything like that, I wanted to fill because I've seen what specific women do and speak over other specific women. And I just feel like that that number of women is what will serve each other. Yeah. And so yeah. I would love that to happen. If it doesn't, you know, seven rhymes with 11, I guess, but like, <laughs> but maybe I misheard. Um, but I'm already so excited, um, yeah. to see it play out and to introduce these women to our group of women and mm. expand our God loving friendship circle. Um, yeah. and yeah. like keep going with it. So, yeah, well, I can tell you as the person that attended your first retreat, I have major FOMO about not attending every single <laughs> retreat, but I know that that's just not reality. So, um, so instead of attending, I will just be praying yes. for you all and just trusting and just rejoicing in what it is that God has planned for it. Cause he's, He's good, and he's going to do some incredible things. He so. is so going to do that, and I will take your prayers every yeah. day, Meredith, so yeah. thank you for that. Oh, Rebecca, just thank you so much for taking time and just sharing your story, and I 
am going to be one of your biggest cheerleaders on the sidelines. Probably not too loud because you know I tend to be a little <laughs> bit more quiet. I'm the introvert version of Rebecca. <laughs> and Rebecca's the We extrovert. do have a lot in common. We I'm do. just extroverted. Yeah, yeah. and I'm yeah. just more like, yeah, yeah. quiet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I will be cheering you on and, and I just pray blessings over this new adventure that God has you on because I have a feeling that this is just the beginning. So yeah, it's going to be yeah. good. It's going to be good. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks. There's just something about Rebecca. If you know her, you love her. And I'm sure after this conversation, you definitely want to get to know her a bit more. I will put a link in the show notes uh, on how to connect with Rebecca. If God is nudging you and this women's worship retreat sounds like something that you need to be at, something that God is calling you to be at, I encourage you a hundred percent to listen to what it is that God is nudging you towards. I so enjoyed the time that I was able to spend at the retreat, and I know that if God's calling you to be there, He has something special in mind for you as well. I just really appreciate Rebecca's transparency, the way that she is just able to share her story and just give God all of the glory for the things that He's done in her life. And I hope that just listening to her story encourages you that it's never too late. Just because you're in one profession doesn't mean that it has to stay the same. Or if you're volunteering in one way, that doesn't mean it has to stay the same. If God is telling you to move, then I guarantee that you are going to be fully blessed by moving in the way that he directs you to. Thank you so much for taking some time to spend it with us today. This conversation just warmed my heart. And of course, the tears just flowed at some times, but I think that just shows how important this time with Rebecca and these other ladies meant to me, um, or just how special that was to me. So if you get a chance, could you rate and review the podcast? I just really appreciate you taking the time to just share your thoughts. Also, if you don't want to miss an upcoming encouraging podcast episode, make sure that you subscribe as well so you'll get notifications every time a show is released. Have a great day and just thanks again. And I look forward to the next time that we can get together.